Good morning, everybody. I, uh, I'm a big football fan. This is an important weekend in, uh, in the NFL. And, uh, but not as a 49er fan. As a 49er fan, this, week, this means nothing. And uh, this weekend will mean nothing probably for 10 more years. And so in our family, um, we've taken on my, my son's a team. My son's a Seahawks team. He's this like punk kid. He wandered around the church with all the Seahawks gear. He loves Seahawks. And so we're a Seahawks fan this, this, today. And uh, someone came in before the church service and said, hey, do you even know what's going on right now? And I do. It's awful. So um, this will be the last day probably will be a Seahawks fan for this season. But like the Green Bay fans, you know, they had a moment of hope too. So sorry, JL. Um, but the reason why I want to show this picture, this is Russell Wilson. He's uh, an incredible athlete on, on a ton of different levels. Uh, I always wanted to be an incredible athlete. I see Russell Wilson. I'm like, man, you're an incredible athlete. He, he did uh, an interview in men's fitness a couple months ago or maybe a year ago now um, and kind of gave his workout routine. And it's incredible. Like, like Russell Wilson, from the time that he was a little kid, he knew what he wanted to do. He figured out he was good at it, and he has worked his butt off nonstop, single-minded focus on pursuing this goal. And uh, he has invested in his body and in his mind to be one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. It is incredible. And, um, and to take that kind of investment, um, is, it pays off. I mean, look at his muscles. I even started doing a little bit of exercises. I'm like, I could be Russell Wilson one day, uh, but I couldn't. Because what's interesting is Russell Wilson knows the kind of man that he wants to be. He made a plan, has an investment, and has invested his time and his energy, everything he is, to be this thing. And he didn't just invest himself to be the most good-looking, strongest person in America. He invested himself so that he could be an incredible for, uh, quarterback for the Seahawks. But what's interesting is there's some people who do. They work out, they love working out, but they work out so much, they work out so much, not to be the best football player, not to do something, but just to be obnoxious, apparently, right? There's people who just work out so much so that they can stand in front of people, they do extra tanning and stuff, right? So their shoulders can be just gigantor and everyone just stares awkwardly at them. And what's weird is for people who love working, if, if this is you or uh, your relative, I'm sorry, you know it's all in good humor. So um, the deal, but... <laughs> The deal is like, right, like you work out, you have this goal, you, this thing, but if, if you don't have a good purpose, if the purpose isn't to actually go and do something, it kind of becomes this like self-fulfilling purpose that is kind of obnoxious. And uh, last week, Jeff gave an incredible sermon um, about being invested, investing in thinking well and engaging well and spending our money well. And we do, we want to be people who are invested well. But the reason is we don't are just invested well so that we can just get strong and big and rich and beautiful and love God and have all these things that are just in us. Because if we just are inward focused, if we're just investing for self-fulfillment, then we may pull it off better than those muscle guys. But really, we're obnoxious like that. We just are going around being like these muscle guys, only wanting to satisfy our own thing. And uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at this idea that God longs for us to be invested. This whole series about a year of spending well. And we want to be invested well, <clears throat> excuse me, invested well. But we're invested well for a very specific and unique purpose. We're invested well because God, since the beginning, has longed for his people to be blessed by God so that he can be a blessed, so we can be a blessing to others. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, God in, comes and meets with Abraham and gives him this covenant. And part of his covenant is this, that I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. From the beginning of the covenant, from the beginning of the time that God was going to create a people and have a plan, he wanted to bless his people, but not so they'd be like, look at us, we're God's people, we're so great, but to be blessed so that then they can be a blessing. 
And it's part of the Jewish tradition. It's been part of the Christian tradition. Um, Jesus talks about it when he says, I'm the light of the world, the city on the hill. Paul talks about it throughout. And we're actually going to spend this morning looking at a passage that Paul wrote about so that we can be people who aren't just invested in ourselves, not just people finding self-fulfillment and being all that God has for us to be, but that we are becoming the whole people that God had us to be so that therefore we can be a blessing. We can be about the common good. We can be about actually serving Jesus and expanding the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And it's really, it's a really fine line from working out and being really strong so you can be an incredible football player or working out and being really strong so you like yourself in the mirror, right? Two different things. And we want to be about what God has for us. So if you have your Bible, we're going to spend this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12. So go ahead and find, a, find that uh, on your phone or your tablet or in the good old-fashioned Bible in front of you. Let me pray for us and then we'll hop into our time together. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I thank you that you love us and are so gracious to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. And we love being blessed. We love being whole. We love finding peace. And so God, I pray that you continue to have your way with us. You continue to mold us and to shape us. But to give us a bigger vision too, God, that we wouldn't just be people who are all about our own life, our own walk, our own thing, God, but that we would see that you have uniquely crafted us for your glory and for your purpose. So please encourage us in the ways that we need to be encouraged. Correct us in the places that we need to be encouraged. Be gracious to us as we long to know you and love you, but sure struggle and pulling that off sometimes. So we give you this time, and all of God's kids said, amen and amen. All right, this morning we're going to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And it's right in the middle of this passage, but this is what Paul says. He says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as, fo- so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so this passage of Scripture, the, here's the basic idea, and some of you have studied this before, but it's just this, that we as the church, the illustration that Paul's saying is that we are the body of Christ. We're the body. Jesus is the head, we're the body, and we all form and uh, function together to accomplish Jesus' work. And we're a diverse body. In fact, just like then, we are an incredible diverse body. Our congregation, I love our congregation, is so diverse. We have people from every socioeconomic background. We have people from every theological background. We have people from every political background. We have people from all over the world. Like, we have people who speak different languages that I don't even know. We have people from all, like, in our little tiny little church, we are so diverse. We are so diverse. And it's easy to think about this, this, this passage about the body of Christ and we're all these different parts. But right out of the gate, Paul wants to clarify, no, Jesus is the head. We're one spirit. You may be all different, but there is one spirit. There's one spirit that unites us. In this picture of the body of Christ, um, they didn't have robots back then, but I would imagine that Paul would think we're not like robots. Robots can take one arm off, take it off, put another robot arm up, and you're good to go. But that's not how the body works, at least not yet. Bodies don't work where you can take off one arm and put on a different arm and still be part of the body. What makes the body work is that you are connected. You belong to each other. And the Holy Spirit is the thing that unites all of the body of Christ. All the people who know and love Jesus, it is the Spirit of God that unites us. It's why we belong to each other. When one celebrates, we celebrate. When one mourns, we mourn. We belong because the Holy Spirit has united us. When When we say yes to Jesus, become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes into life. We become sealed. We're marked with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 15, it says this. 
that the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It is the Holy Spirit that unites us. So as diverse as we are, the only way forward to be all that God has for us to be is to realize that we are a part of one body. And that one body means that God is the head. Jesus is the head. He's our heavenly father. And that means that everything that we do, everything that we are, needs to submit and come under the desire of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a disease or my poor mom is just getting old and having arthritis and so her hand doesn't work quite right, right? If your mind is saying, I want my body to function this way and your body doesn't function that way, it is so frustrating, right? Your body should work this way. And when it doesn't work that way, it is frustrating. When you say body do this and it does it, you're like, yes. And then you can start doing almost anything. And it's the same with Jesus. Jesus longs for his body to be about his will and his purposes. And that only works when all the parts of the body realize they're part of that body and submit to Jesus. I love our mission statement. It says to engage with the spiritually hungry towards a life in Christ. And towards a life in Christ is really just a really soft and kind way of saying we want our lives to come under Jesus. That Jesus is the head. He's the Lord. We're moving towards it. And when I was like 20 in college, I read this book about Jesus being the Lord of my life. And I read it. I'm like, oh, great. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Done. Checked off that box and I was good to go. I had no idea that making Jesus Lord of my life of two things that I didn't even care about wasn't what Jesus was Lord of my life was all about. Jesus being the Lord actually takes a long time. It is a process. None of us have gotten there. That's why for our church, we're saying, yes, don't intellectually go, yes, Jesus should be Lord. And that's the end of it. We say, no, we want to move towards Christ. All the things that we do, we move more and more towards him. And that's why we as a church can be so diverse. We can come from all different places and all different backgrounds and all different baggage and all different issues. And we can still be the church because we're not fighting on the periphery. We're saying, no, we can have discussions and debates about the periphery. But as a church, we want to move more and more towards Christ. For in Christ, when he's the head, then we become the body. So first is that Jesus is the head. He goes on to say in verse 15, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all of one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. I love that. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, I wish God would have sat us down and, and we could have like, he said, hey, I have these parts of the body. What part do you want to be? And then we could all lobby for the parts that we want. Um, but that's not how it works. God set it up. These are all the parts of the body and he set them out how they should be. But it is so in us, it is our human nature to look around and go, oh, but I wish I was like that. I wish I was like that. Who that person is, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. And, we, and, and Facebook has only made it like 10,000 times worse. We all are in the habit of presenting our best versions of ourselves. Here's the best version of me, and then, every, then you get to judge yourself by that. There's the best version of that person, and we judge ourselves by that. And all the time we do that, and when we do that, we get, we get stunted. We get crushed. We get passive because we think, what can I bring to the table? Because everyone is perfect, and I'm the only one not perfect, so what do we do? And so the trick is that we need to figure out who is it that God made us to be. You are unique and special, and you are crafted by God, and you need to figure out who God made you to be 
and to land and to be that person. And when we don't, we get in big trouble. And I found that to be the exact case with me. This last uh, couple weeks ago, over uh, Christmas break, uh, my good friends, uh, Ben Cochran and Rich McElreath, they remembered it was my birthday coming up. They said, Ben, it's your birthday. We want to take you snowmobiling. How cool is that? Me, snowmobiling with these two guys. And I'm like, oh, I would love to. That is, so, that is incredible. I'm honored they remembered my birthday. They wanted to spend time with me. We're going on this adventure thing. It'd be super great. So I'm like, let's do it. So the whole time up, we're, we're driving up. We're talking about how great it's going to be. That morning for breakfast, we're all putting on our clothes. We're talking about how great it's going to be. I'm going to go snowmobiling. This is going to be incredible. Now, as we're driving up um, into this mountain to get onto the, mo- the snowmobiles, I started having this awful realization. What am I doing snowmobiling? I should not be snowmobiling. Ben Cochran is probably the best athlete of our entire church. He can do anything. Anything he wants, his body can do. He is incredible. Rich McElreath, he's a little older, not quite a good athlete, but he, um, he like skis all over squaw growing up. He's an incredible water skier. He is a good athlete too. And I won the John Philip Ban Souza Award, 93. That's what I bring to the table. And here we are going up this mountain to go snowmobiling together. And they could not be more happy, and I am freaking out. So we go, and, uh, and we get on our, these snowmobiles, and I don't even know what to do. But everyone's like, oh, I've ridden these things forever. And so I just go, yeah. And I look, oh, that's how you turn it on. So I turn it on. I'm following what they're doing, trying to pretend I know what I'm doing. I have my big helmet on so no one can see the fear in my eyes. And we start taking off up this hill. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I got this thing. Like, and this is this huge, wide path. I'm like, okay, this is how it works. I'm doing it. I'm going fine. All of a sudden, they start taking off because the leader, he's driving. He looks behind him. He goes, oh, this guy can keep up with me. So the leader guy takes off, then Ben, then Rich, and I'm like doing everything I can to keep up with these guys. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, please, God, let this be over. And it's a two-hour private tour. So I'm like, oh, oh excuse me. I'm like, I'm toast. So we're driving up this hill, and uh, we, for about 45 minutes in, I'm like, oh, can we be done? He takes us to a meadow. He's like, you guys are awesome riders. Go have at it. And all of a sudden, Ben and Rich are like doing donuts in this big, this big patch. It's all bumpy, and they're taking jumps. And they're driving through the forest. I'm like, oh, and I'm like this. This is so great. And I even like, took my helmet off and like wiped my eyes. Like, oh, there's something in my eyes. Like, that's why I need to take a break. Well, they're going around. We're, doing, we're at this meadow for a long time. Finally, the guy's like, man, you guys are incredible riders. I'm, I don't normally do this, but I'm, I'm going to take you to the top of the mountain. I'm like, no, man. Like, <laughs> Let's stay on the path. And um, so we go up and we're driving up and that's where this is at the top of this mountain. I mean, there's these huge long cliffs and it's powder and I don't know what I'm doing, right? And I'm the third guy, so I'm trying my best to keep up with there. And they, we go to this other meadow and we're all having this great time. Now the bummer is I'm the John Philip Van Sousa Award. I'm not a motorcycle rider. I'm not even a good athlete, but I have a huge ego and I'm hugely competitive. And so after about an hour and a half, I'm like, I got this thing down. And I'm trying to keep up with these guys and I'm like going into powder. I'm like, this is pretty good. Well, we're on our way down finally. It's the last little bit of the trip. And Ben and Rich are like, like the trail's like this. And they're like, all this powder through the trees. And so I'm like, yeah. And I go off the, off the trail through the powder. I'm like, woo, right into a tree. <laughs> like there's this huge tree coming right at me. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I have this split second reaction. I go, oh my goodness, if I crash this thing, it's going to cost money. We're going to have to get towed out here. That's going to be so embarrassing. And with all of my might, I go, Argh! and I push the, 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 the snowmobile out of the way. And with my body, I torqued out of my body. I don't even know. And I fly and I smack into the tree. I bang my eye. I bang my knee. I fall into the ground in the snow. And I don't know like, if you remember being what it was like to be hurt, but I'm lying in the ground like, <gasps> like weeping. And I'm like thinking a lesser man would be bawling. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm bawling. I'm like so much pain crying my guts out. 
But then I'm like, oh my goodness, Ben's going to come back and come get me because like, they're going to go, where did he go? So I'm like, I got to get up. But I'm like, I can't get up. And so I'm like, I'm, everything I can, I just stand up. I'm standing up. And finally, I, I'm, I'm like this on the side of the snowmobile. And Ben comes zipping around. He's like, hey. I'm like, hey. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh yeah, I just got stuck in some powder. Yeah, that's it. And I'm like, can you get it out of here for me? He's like, yeah, like Superman. He jumps off, jumps onto mine, drives around, gets all backed up. I'm like, thanks, man. And uh, I like hobble over. I'm, I'm holding my ribs as I'm like driving like the last like 10 minutes back. And, and I was just wrecked. I thought my leg like fell off. Like it hurt so bad. My eye, like, I couldn't see. I'm like, oh. And the whole time they're like, this is so great. This is so great. They're all talking about it. We all get back home. They're like high-fiving each other. Like, we're like a total stud, man. We did it at all. And Kay's like, how was it? I'm like, it, it was great. And uh, she's like, are you sure? And so we walk up to the room. I take off my long johns and my knees like this big. And I got like a bruise on my face. I'm like, ah, it was the worst ever. <laughs> and, uh, and then here's the worst part. Like, I, I'm not athletic. I don't, that's not what I bring to the table. Hey, let's all hang out. I'm not going to be the guy that brings that to the table. I'm not even sure what I bring to the table socially. I'm still working it out. But that is not it. And in my attempt to try to hang with these guys and be all this, what ended up happening was I ended up actually being wiped out. The whole rest of our time together, I was wiped out. I like laid down. I fell asleep. I was done for. That was the end of it for me because I tried so hard to be this person that I'm not and ended up the one thing I could bring, I was wiped out forever. And we all want that. I desperately want to be an athlete and be athletic and do all those cool things. That's not what I bring. I can play the tuba, man. That's what I bring to the table. And, uh, and we have to figure out who we are and embrace that and be after it. Now, what's interesting is um, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, everyone wants to know who they are. Everyone wants to know how they're made, what, what they're, how they're wired, what they're supposed to do. There's so many books about who you are. Figure out who you are and then you're going to do well. What are your strengths? Get after your strengths and do well. Everything is out there. And so that's because we're made in the image of God. And so if you want to figure out what has God made you to do, you need to know these things. So here's something else I'm not good at, making PowerPoint slides. So I made a PowerPoint slide presentation for you, okay? So check out this Venn diagram. It's really incredible. If you want to figure out who is it that God made you to do, you need to take these different pieces and put them together. The first is you have to figure out what you're passionate about. Everyone is passionate about something. And what's crazy is we are so different. There's people in this room who are passionate about biology. I don't understand you. That makes no sense to me. In fact, I spent my whole high school and college career avoiding biology like the plague. I could not understand it. It's not my thing. There are some people who love it. And for some reason, we think, well, if we love it, maybe that's not what God has for us. If you love something, if something that you do or you're studying or you're learning about, it like fires something up inside of you, that is a gift from God. God loves that you love that. He made you to love that. So whenever you're having fun and you're doing this thing and like, man, if I had a whole Saturday, this is what I would do? Well, maybe there's something in that that God made you and designed you to be those things. So you think about your passions. Everyone has a unique passion. And what is that passion? You figure out what it is and you own it. But your passion is also tempered by your past. I love football. I, in fact, when I was in middle school, I started playing football, played football all the way to college. I mean, all the way through the beginning of high school, but it turns out there's not a lot of short, fat Jewish kids playing in the NFL. Not my thing, right? My DNA, my past, all of my family baggage, all my family history, all my family DNA, that goes into shaping me. My family has resources and benefits and blessings and hiccups that are unique to me. And those things actually play into part what I can and what I can't do. So I may have this huge passion, but because of who I am or who my family is, that's going to hold out who those, what I can necessarily do. So I have to find the place where my passions also meet up with my unique family system, my unique DNA, my unique past, right? 
And then on top of that, I have to throw in your proficiencies, right? What are the things that you're actually good at? And all of us are good at different things. And so when you find out your passions and your past and your proficiencies, when you take all those things and you put them together, there's something that God made you to do. There's something that God made you to be about. And you should get after it. Because if you're doing the thing that you hate, then that is not who God made you to be. And all of us, whether you love God or don't love God, if you know those three things, you can find the middle ground of right there, then you're a golden. But this picture that we have from the body of Christ is so much bigger and so much deeper than these three Ps because um, Paul adds what this whole passage is about. It's not just your passions or your past or your proficiencies. It's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the thing that unites us and it's the thing that empowers us and it's even a cool word. It's a P word. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is pneuma, which sounds like an N, but it's actually a P, which works for my alliteration. So that's what I do bring to the table as a pastor. Um, <laughs> But this whole passage is that not only do you have passions, not only do you have a past, not only do you have proficiencies, but you, if you said yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit has adopted you into his family and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, then you have a unique gifts and abilities. You have something totally unique and supernatural that you are about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, it says this, To one there is given the Spirit and message of wisdom, to another message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to others prophecies, to others distinguishing between spirits, others speaking in different kinds of tongues, still in other interpretations. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and, are, and he distributes them, each one, just as he determines. And uh, what's interesting is about this is just like all of us don't know what we're good at. When we're six, we don't know what we're about. We don't, know, we don't know what we're good at. But as we get older, as we mature, we learn what we're about. We learn what we bring to the table. And the reason why we need to be invested in our walk with God, we need to be engaged with the Holy Spirit, is because the Holy Spirit has this thing in us that he wants us to bring to the table. This totally unique spiritual gift that he wants to bring to the table, but we're not going to know what those are unless we wrestle with the Holy Spirit, unless we try on different things, unless we ask our friends what those are about, unless we're in community figuring that out. And when we do, when we take all of that person who we are, that is who God made us to be. Most of us, we want to be somebody else, and we're just going to be dis disgruntled and bummed our whole, time, our whole life until we go, this is who God made us to be. So we have to recognize that Jesus is the head of the body and we have to embrace who God made us to be. But the last thing that we have to do is work for the common good. In fact, we're going to go to the beginning of the passage. In the beginning of this passage, in verse 4, uh, Paul talks about this. And what's interesting, for them, back uh, in the church in Corinth and, and pretty much all of human civilization until like 50 years ago, everyone knew we needed each other. Everybody knew that it could never just be you by yourself. If you were going to live in a village, right, it was you and your family and your village and your people and your community. You needed all those people so that you could be who you were going to be. You had to interact with them. You had to live with them. But for us, we don't need anybody. We are so happy to just go to work, turn on Netflix, turn on our phone, and, and check out. And so for us, what was a total given for Paul, I think actually is a little bit of a kick in the butt for us, that we actually need to remember that we are part of community. In verse 4, it says this, There's a different kind of gifts but the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, and there are different kinds of working, but all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. So now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I think we forget. We invest, we grow spiritually, we're in community, not so that we can be those obnoxious bodybuilders. We don't just invest for our own sake. We invest for the common good. 
All the things that God has for us to do and all the things that God has for us to be is so that we can be a benefit and a blessing to other people. So for us, here we are at Marin Covenant Church. We're so super glad on a holiday weekend that you showed up and sat in church. We're going to count you. We're going to go on a list. The numbers will be fine. We all get to keep our job for one more week. <sighs> that's church. No, that'd be totally awful. Could you imagine if that was really church? But sometimes that's what we think of church. I just need to show up. I sit down and I'm done. No, you bring something that we all need. You bring something that I need. You bring something that my kids need. You bring something that the person next to you needs. You bring something. And so when you come here to Marin Covenant Church, not only should you be investing in your walk with God and investing in this service and going, God, what do you have for me? But think how different your morning would be when you showed up here and said, God, when I show up here, I'm going to be here for the common good. I'm going to be a blessing to other people. How different would that be if our 400 people who showed up here in the morning said, man, we are going to be a blessing to each other. We're not just going to sit and fold our arms and go, oh, that was lame or that was good or what did you think? But to actually be proactive and to be a blessing. We need you to show up and care for each other. I have, um, I don't know, people, I don't know what the right word is. Actually, I do. It's a bad word. I have a resting face that makes my face not happy. You know what I'm talking about? So I have that thing. And, uh, and the worst part is if I'm in a conversation and it's going somewhere boring, I check out. I'm sorry. I'm usually one-on-one. I usually do pretty good. But if it's in a group context, not so much. Well, in our leadership team, sometimes it gets really boring. We're all sitting around the leadership team table, and I go somewhere special because it's long and boring. <laughs> but I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, here's the deal. I don't want to be that. That's like the worst of who I am. I want to bring who I am, but it's so boring. So probably two or three times every leadership team meeting, my phone buzzes, and it just says, your face with some sort of emoticon, and it's always different. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's right, because I just went somewhere special. But I do that all the time. But the truth is, I have to show up. Like, God made me to be a certain kind of person. I have a certain perspective. I bring certain things to the table, and our leadership team needs me to sit at that table and be present in that moment. Just like we need you to show up. We need you to be here, to be present, to see each other, to care for each other, to make eye contact, to listen, to be a blessing. But not only do we need you to show up here, we need you to show up wherever you are when you're not here. Uh, when we were, uh, last weekend, our, our high school kids went up to Hume Lake and the speaker reminded me of this really great passage in Jeremiah. And I just want to share it with you. This is the, the prophet Jeremiah and the, the people of Israel, they got exiled, they got taken up to Babylon. And um, they're all bummed out, right? And they wanted God to show up and wreck shop on the Babylonians. And instead, this is the word of God that, they get, that he gets. This is, the, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number and do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into. Pray, that the Lord, pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We are a sent people. We are called to be a blessing to all people. Not just to people like us, not just to people in our church, but to all people. Tomorrow morning, we're all going to be scattered throughout all of Northern California, maybe all over the world for some of you. So tomorrow, you have to bring you. You bring the, the unique person that God has crafted and made and blessed and equipped 
to be a blessing in that moment. And I get for some of you, where you are going to be tomorrow is not where you want to be. My poor high school seniors, you're going to graduate soon, so soon. You do not want to be there. There's some people who have jobs, do not want to be there. But tomorrow you will be there. So be there. There's so many people, I mean, I'm this person, people I talk to are this, maybe you're not this person, but there's so many people I come in contact with who are always waiting for the next thing. If I can just fall in love, if I can just get married, if I can just have a kid, if my kid will finally go to preschool, if my kid will just graduate and move out, if I can retire, if I can die. Like it's always like something, <laughs> right? But there's never, there's never a thing. It's, it's, it's a way you view the world. You will never be there. It'll never get better. You are you right now in this place. And you have been gifted by our Heavenly Father. You have been adopted into His family. You've been given really unique, great passions, a really unique background, great proficiencies. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And God needs you to show up at wherever you're going to be tomorrow. So show up for the common good. Be a blessing. Man, we have been blessed so much by God. How great will it be to be a blessing to other people? So as we wrap up this series about how to spend a year, that is our, that's our, Jeff's and my hope and prayer for our whole congregation. It's our hope and prayer for our staff and for our leadership team, for ourselves, that we don't just do things to benefit us. We don't just go on self-help um, journeys and odysseys, but we get healthy and strong and we grow spiritually deep. We invest. We do the hard work, the unseen work of knowing and loving Jesus so that we can know and love the people around us to be a blessing to everywhere we go. So wherever we go, people will go, man, those people who are in covenant, they believe some weird stuff, but they are incredible and they love me. And maybe by our little feeble efforts, God will use our church so that others may come and know and love Jesus. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, you are so gracious to us. You're so gracious to me. I think I'm finally getting tired of throwing a temper tantrum of not being who I want to be, of having you not do the things I want you to do. I pray that you would mature me, that you would mature us, that we would be people who would trust that you are a good God who loves us and sees us and you've blessed us in ways we don't even understand yet. God, have your way with us. And as we invest in you, we pray that you would heal us and transform us, that we would submit more of our life to you. But we do that for the purpose of being a blessing, a benefit for the common good, that our church would be strong and that this community that we live in would know that there's a God who loves them and sees them and longs for them to be whole as well. We love you, Jesus. And all of God's kids said, amen. And amen.